Are you looking for an athletic scholarship? You're in the right place. This is the Recruit Me Athletic Scholarship Podcast, the longest running podcast on recruiting and athletic scholarships. We're here to help your family navigate the recruiting road all the way to an athletic scholarship. He's a recruiting expert and a dad of a D1 athlete and a high school athlete pursuing a scholarship. With a wealth of experience to share, here's Recruit Me CEO, Brent Hanks. Welcome to episode 277, NLI, National Letter of Intent. This episode will cover the nuts and bolts of the National Letter of Intent, or NLI. Most of this information will come straight from the national-letter.org website and the NLI Twitter account, at NLI Insider. Also, ncaa.org, naia.org, and njcaa.org websites. If you listen to episode 275, I covered my youngest son's, Sutton's, commitment to play college baseball at Columbia College in Columbia, Missouri. The verbal commitment was on Tuesday, October 26th, and the first day to sign the National Letter of Intent for baseball and some other sports was on November 10th for prospective student-athletes signing for the 2021-2022 years to play in college in 2022 and 2023 college seasons. Our family has now been through two National Letter of Intent signings, and these events are one of the many highlights a student-athlete and a family incurs in the recruiting process and the college adventure. What is the National Letter of Intent? According to nationalletter.org, the NLI is a voluntary program with regard to both institution and the student-athlete. No prospective student-athlete or parent is required to sign the NLI, and no institution is required to join the program. The NLI is a binding agreement between a prospective student-athlete and an NLI member institution. By signing the NLI, a prospective student-athlete agrees to attend the institution full-time for one academic year, which may consist of two semesters or three quarters, and the institution agrees to provide athletic financial aid for one academic year. Now, the letter of intent is managed by the NCAA. While the Collegiate Commissioners Association, or CCA, provides governance oversight of the program. So there are 652 NCA Division I and Division II institutions that are a part of the program and participate. So the NLI was created by the CCA to protect both the college and the student from either party backing out. So I will first talk about the most recognized National Letter of Intent that is a contract between colleges and players in the NCA Division I and Division II levels. I will also discuss the NCA Division III Division and their version of the Letter of Intent. The NAIA and the NJCAA, or JUCO Division, have their own versions of the NLI, and I will cover those athletic divisions separately. On the nationalletter.org website, you see that 48,000 student-athletes sign National Letters of Intent each year in NCAA Division I and Division II. There are 652-member D1 and D2 schools. Do you see why you have to do research and expand your mind to the many possibilities of college options? There is more than $3.3 billion in athletic scholarships given, not counting NAIA and JUCO. At the top of the National Letter of Intent homepage is a link called About the NLI. If you click on it, you can read more about the NLI. Then go to the bottom of the page and click on the Quick Reference Guide to the NLI. 
From this link, I will cover this guide to answer the many questions that you have about the NLI. Again, the National Letter of Intent is a binding contract between a prospective student-athlete and an NLI member NCA Division I or Division II institution. What is a valid NLI? An NLI must be accompanied by an Athletics Financial Aid Agreement, or in other words, some athletic scholarship money. The NLI must include the NCA ID of the student-athlete. The NCAA ID will be available to the prospective student-athlete once it is registered with the NCAA Eligibility Center and will be available to the institution once the student-athlete is placed on the Institutional Request List, or IRL. Go back and listen to Episode 257 for more information about the NCAA Eligibility Center. All junior college prospective student-athletes must have an NCAA ID included with their NLI. The National Letter of Intent may not be signed prior to the signing dates for the applicable sport. This year's signing dates for 2022-2023 enrollees are Division I Basketball. Early period signing is November 10th through November 17th, 2021. Division I Basketball regular signing period is April 13th through May 18th, 2022. Division I Football. Early signing period is December 15th through December 17th of 2021. Division I and Division II football and mid-year JUCO transfer signings is December 16th, 2021 through January 15th, 2022. Football's regular signing for D1 is February 2nd, 2022 through April 1st, 2022. And Division II is February 2nd, 2022 through August 1st, 2022. Then, all other Division I and Division II sports signing period is November 10th, 2021 through August 1st, 2022. The National Letter of Intent must include a parent or legal guardian signature if the student-athlete is under the age of 21, regardless of marital status. Prospective student-athletes and parents can sign NLIs with electronic or digital signatures. Mobile apps can be used to process and sign with the institution. The conference office validates the National Letter of Intent to ensure the NLI and the Athletics Aid Agreement are complete and meet the NLI and NCAA requirements. So how does the institution process the National Letter of Intent? The institution issues the National Letter of Intent and the offer of athletics aids to the prospective student-athlete. The student-athlete and the parent must sign within seven days of the issuance date. The seven-day deadline does not apply to the football early signing period or when seven days are not left in the signing period. The institution verifies required information and uploads the NLI to the conference office for validation. The National Letter of Intent must be filed by the institution with the conference within 14 days of the final signature. Now, when the prospective student-athlete signs the National Letter of Intent, they are signing with the institution. So if the coach leaves, the NLI signee, the student-athlete, is still bound to the provisions of the NLI. Again, the NLI is a contract, not just a formality to get attention or to get social media clicks. This guide has a box with information called, What is the Recruiting Ban? Once the National Letter of Intent is signed, then other institutions must respect the prospective student-athlete's National Letter of Intent signing by ceasing all communications. A good practice is for the student-athlete to call any coaches that made an offer to him or her. 
Sutton texted the coaches that he had offers from and asked when a good time was for him to call them and then he told them personally by phone that he had verbally committed and was going to sign a national letter of intent and he appreciated the opportunity to visit and consider their school and their program. The recruiting ban remains in effect until the student-athlete enrolls at the signing institution. Once enrolled, the student-athlete is governed by the NCAA recruiting regulations. How is the NLI declared null and void? Here are five ways. 1. The student-athlete is denied admission to the school. 2. The student-athlete does not meet NCAA, institutional, or conference eligibility requirements. 3. The student-athlete takes a one-year absence. The signee does not enroll at a two-year or a four-year institution for at least one academic year, and the scholarship in the same amount is no longer available. This applies to a signee who serves in the U.S. Armed Forces or Church Mission for one year. The National Letter of Intent remains binding if the scholarship in the same amount is available. 4. The sport is discontinued at the college. And 5. There are recruiting violations. It is the prospective student-athlete's choice to null and void the National Letter of Intent under these circumstances. Again, this information is located on the nationalletter.org website. How can the signee be released from the NLI? A request release must be initiated by the NLI signee and can be done by submitting the National Letter of Intent release request online. The institution may release a signee from his or her NLI obligation by selecting the Complete Release option on the release request. It is the institution's discretion to grant the release or not. The NLI release cannot include conditions to be released to a specific institution. The NLI recruiting ban is lifted once the National Letter of Intent signee submits the NLI release request. There is also an appeal process. For consideration of an appeal, the signee must present extenuating circumstances to the NIL committee. The institution is not permitted to provide release agreements to the prospective student-athlete prior to signing. The NLI penalty does not preclude a student-athlete from receiving athletic aid or money or practice while serving a one-year academic year of residence for the NIL penalty. Completing a playing season does not fulfill the NLI obligation. The entire academic year at the signing institution must be completed. If the NLI is declared invalid, null, and void, or a complete release is granted, a prospective student-athlete is permitted to sign another National Letter of Intent in the same NLI signing year. If a prospective student-athlete signs an NLI for enrollment in the incoming academic year but decides not to enroll, the National Letter of Intent remains binding. Remember, the National Letter of Intent must be accompanied by an athletic aid agreement or a scholarship offer. A prospective student-athlete not receiving athletic aid is not permitted to sign a National Letter of Intent. If the student-athlete declines the athletics aid money in order to receive other institutional aid, the NLI must be declared null and void. The athletics aid agreement is subject to NCAA rules. All of this information is for NCAA Division I and Division II NLI signings and NCAA Division I and Division II rules. A coach or institution representative may not hand-deliver the NLI off-campus or be present off-campus at the time of signing. The NLI may be delivered back to the coach or the institution by express mail, regular mail, email, fax, mobile applications, or other electronic means. 
The Quick Reference Guide to the NIL on nationalletter.org has a section that explains enrollment in a junior college, a two-year college, after signing an NIL. If a prospective student-athlete signs an NIL and later attends a junior college, the student-athlete must graduate from the junior college under the following conditions. 1. To satisfy NAIA 2-4 or 4-2-4 transfer rules if necessary, to meet NCA conference and institutional regulations. The 2-4 means a two-year college to a four-year college, and the 4-2-4 means a four-year college to a two-year college back to a four-year college. Number two, to fulfill a previously signed national letter of intent in this case, the previous NLI is considered fulfilled if the student-athlete graduates from the junior college. The NLI can be signed prior to graduation. If the student-athlete enrolls in a junior college with no previously signed NLI, then he or she is permitted to sign an NLI to a four-year school while attending the junior college. The following rule applies for Division I. A non-qualifier, a 2-4, a two-year school to a four-year school, is not permitted to sign an NLI in the first year of the junior college year. A non-qualifier in the first year of enrollment does not meet the NCA requirement to receive athletics aid until attending the junior college for at least three semesters or four quarters. There are 652 National Letter of Intent member schools in the NCA Division I and Division II. Non-National Letter of Intent members are Ivy League schools, service or military academies, NCA Division III institutions, preparatory schools, and two-year colleges or JUCOs. Remember, all members of the NLI program are required to offer athletic scholarships. Other links or resources at the bottom of the national-letter.org website include Football Early Signing Q&A, NCAA Recruiting, Booster's Guide to the NLI, Life of Your NLI, NLI Guide for College Hockey, Administrative Guidelines, and links to the NCAA, the NCAA Eligibility Center, and the NLI member schools. The nationalletter.org website has an NLI provisions page, a frequently asked questions page, and a release and appeal link. There are videos that have an NLI signing tutorial, a video about can I sign an NLI if I'm not receiving an athletic scholarship, or when I sign an NLI, and more. Again, most people don't realize the NLI is a binding contract to help protect both the prospective student-athlete and the institution. Most just see the NLI as an opportunity to have a signing party, and that's okay. But please be aware of what is happening when you sign that NCAA Division I or Division II National Letter of Intent. Now, according to NCAA.org, NCAA Division Threes are permitted to use a celebratory signing form. Because NCAA Division III does not give athletic scholarships, they did not have a National Letter of Intent binding contract between the NCAA and the Collegiate Commissioners Association, or the CCA. A college-bound student-athlete is permitted to sign the NCAA-approved celebratory signing form at any point, including high school signing events, after the student-athlete has been accepted to the institution. The college should keep in mind, however, that they, the institution, is not permitted to publicize the student-athlete's commitment until the student-athlete has submitted a financial deposit. In an article on NCA.org called Division Three Student-Athletes Want to Sign To, 
Steve Fritz, a recruiting work group member and longtime director of athletics at the University of St. Thomas in Minnesota, noted that the non-binding caveat must stay in place for this document to successfully serve its purpose. It ensures that academics, not athletics, govern Division III student-athletes' college decisions. For the same reason, the students cannot use the form until they have been accepted to attend the institution. So all three divisions of NCAA, Division I, Division II, and Division III, all have a version of a national letter of intent with different rules. Ask the college coach about any rules or regulations if you have any questions. The NAIA level of schools and athletics as an association doesn't have a letter of intent program in which a student athlete sign as a binding contract to participate in athletics at any particular institution. This is information from NAIA.org. Student athletes may sign letters of intent with an individual NAIA school. However, they are not obligated to attend that school. With that said, some NAIA conferences require their member schools to recognize letters of intent that are signed with other institutions within the conference. Please check with your prospective school to see if any conference rules apply. Again, ask NAIA coaches for their school's rules about signings. According to the NJCAA.org website, in the Eligibility Frequently Asked Questions section, it says the JUCO letter of intent is used to commit an individual to a specific institution for a period of one academic year. The letter of intent is only valid for NJCAA member colleges and has no jurisdiction over NCAA or NAIA colleges. A student is allowed to sign a letter of intent with both a NJCAA and an NCAA college without sanction. The student may not, however, sign an NJCAA letter of intent with two junior colleges. If they do sign with two junior colleges, then they become immediately ineligible to compete for the next academic year in any sport. Once a student-athlete signs a NJCAA letter of intent, they become unrecruitable by any other JUCO member college for the duration of that agreement. There are three divisions of JUCOs. Each JUCO can choose their level. Division I JUCOs can offer full scholarships. Division II JUCOs can offer tuition but no room and board. And Division III junior colleges offer no athletic scholarships. Division I and Division II do not have to give the full scholarship amounts. Well, I covered the signing of letters of intent for NCAA, Division I, Division II, and Division III levels, plus the NAIA level and the junior college level. Each level has different rules and different obligations. Please ask the coach or coaches you are talking to if you have any questions about letter of intent and refer to NCA.org, NAIA.org, NJCAA.org, and national-letter.org to read more about the National Letter of Intent or the celebratory signing form. My family has had the privilege of having two sons sign letters of intent. Parker signed in November of 2017 to play Division I baseball at Northwestern University, and Sutton just signed November 10th of 2021 to play NAIA baseball for Columbia College in Columbia, Missouri. Both boys got to sign at a ceremony in their high school gym. They got to celebrate the signing with classmates, other signees, us the parents, and grandparents. Coaches and the athletic director said something about each signee and pictures and videos were taken. The local TV and newspapers were there to cover the signings too. Each signee had their school's colors and shirts along with a table of refreshments, 
cookies, strawberries, donuts, and candy to give to fellow classmates before they went back to class. After many handshakes, hugs, and pictures, the signings were done, and the tweets, Facebook posts, and Instagram posts were loaded for more friends and family to see and to comment on. The letter of intent is a culmination of youth sports, both rec and competitive, of junior high and high school, and of many, many, many practices, workouts, and lessons. But for most student-athletes, they still have their senior season to complete and academic classes to make sure they finish strong. Just because you sign, it doesn't mean you relax. Keep working out. Work hard to be ready for the college classroom, the field, the court, the pool, the mat, or the track. Congratulations to those who have signed a national letter of intent. And good luck to those looking to sign theirs soon. Last week, I covered two power study tips from Appendix F of the Recruit Me 3.0 Athletic Scholarship System. Appendix F is just a part of the 200-plus page step-by-step recruiting manual in the Recruit Me 3.0 system. Click on the link in the show notes to get more information on the Recruit Me 3.0 system and the fall special price. Today, I cover power study tips for the classroom and tips for preparing for class. Power study tips for the classroom. Distractions in the classroom are deadly. To help avoid distractions, sit near the front of the class. You're less likely to miss something important and there are far less distractions at the front than any other location. Another tip, think. Thinking is one of the most important things you can do in class. If you just sit there passively and not think, class can be deadly. Think about what the teacher is saying before writing down anything. Writing down each word is a waste of time. Reorganize in your mind what the teacher says and then write it down. This way you'll be connecting the teacher's words to how you think. If you do this, your notes will make a lot more sense later. The final tip for the classroom. Pay attention to the course outline or syllabus. Generally, important points and materials are referenced here and repeated. Don't be afraid to ask the teacher if there is something you don't understand. Most teachers will be glad to clarify for you. Power study tips for preparing for class. Efficient students do not underline. Underlining is not a productive way to emphasize textbook materials. It is best to use a highlighter. Read the table of contents of your text carefully. If the textbooks have chapter summaries, read them first. If you don't understand the material from the summaries, go back and highlight. Take notes on what you've highlighted and review your notes. Break study materials into short segments of length depending on its difficulty. Remember, concise notes are more powerful than copious notes. Think about the material. Then take notes on what you don't know or what you're not sure of. Next week, I'll cover the power studying tips of test taking and give the final word on Appendix F that I started back in episode 265. Thank you for listening to the Athletic Scholarship Podcast, and please share this episode with others in your family, on your team, or friends and classmates. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you get the 15 minutes that could change your athletic scholarship future every Tuesday.